This episode is brought to you by FireLapse and FireLapse.com. Too often, drivers fail to extract the full performance potential out of their vehicle at the track because analyzing motorsports data takes time and can be difficult to understand. FireLapse is a fresh and intuitive tool to simplify motorsports data review to allow you to focus on reducing your personal best lap time. This year, SlipAngle and FireLapse have partnered together to help our audience go faster. Annual subscription signups using promo code SLIPANGLE or SLIPANGEL We'll get 15 months for the price of 12 and a free slip angle or track tune t-shirt. Head over to firelaps.com and start letting your data be your coach. Hey man. What's up? Sunday night. Yep. Got Easter going on. Easter. I had uh, pizza for dinner, which was good. Oh man. And I had my absolute favorite. I told Ashley I could eat it every day for the rest of my life and I would yeah. not complain. Um, Goat cheese and marinara go together like, like peanut butter and jelly. They're the perfect oh, combination. And he has risen, dude. You got the good vibes going on with that food, dude. Like this is this is the meal, and you have it with like just some toasted oh, cheese. You were you were in a group chat with me and Scott Malloy talking about food, and you like busted out the goat cheese and marinara. I was like, I don't even know what that means, man. Dude, dude. You want to, you want to score some points with your wife. You make this very, very simple dish and you yeah. will be set. Okay. I'll so send it to I you. Don't, what does this entail? Buy a log of goat cheese uh-huh. and then make some marinara from a can of whole peeled tomatoes. I'm this, not going to do that. This is very easy. Can I, just, can I buy marinara sauce? I mean, you can, but you should only use Rayos. Hmm. And it's going to be like eight bucks, but you should buy that jar because it's worth it. All right. And then you buy a, like a a French style baguette from Aldi or anywhere else. Yeah. You slice it on a bias to give you some like coin, you know, shaped, uh, slices of bread. What's a bias mean? Um, so if you were to cut a sausage perpendicular to its length, you would make perfectly, um, Circular coins. coins. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to cut it on a bias, you do it on an angle. So you get uh, oval shapes. Oval. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you cut yeah. it on a bias. So you get more surface yeah. area of the bread. Okay. And you drizzle some olive oil and you sprinkle it with garlic powder and you broil those until they toast up. Oh, that sounds good. And then all you have to do is microwave the goat cheese and marinara. That's it. What's the, what's the goat cheese for though? Flavor. Goat cheese is that good. Goat cheese is delicious. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Uh, yeah. Anyone who listens to this show should know that, Adam, you don't know anything about food. Um, no, a lesser I known fact things, about I don't know that much. A lesser known fact about Adam, for those who are listening, is yeah. um, at an event, Adam will get a uh, personal sized bag of potato chips and uh, open the bag and then mm-hmm. immediately crush all them, uh, crush all the chips together to make crumbs and then pour yeah. them into his mouth. And if you ask him, I'm busy. And if you ask Adam, Hey Adam, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, I don't have time to eat chips. And he just pours them <laughs> into his mouth. I don't. It's absolutely true. Do I have time to stand around and like eat chips and clean my fingers? I do not have that time. Uh, a second lesser known yeah. fact about Adam is that uh, when you're at the track, you also generally don't have time for soap, but your hands get dirty often. So you just True. pour a bottle of water on your hands and rub your fingers together and then go about your day. 
if all my employees would actually drink their bottles of water and not leave them half empty sitting around, I would not do such a task. Wait, you're washing your hands with people's germ water? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, Abe, you've, you've been there. It's been a decade, dude. No, dude. I got to use all that. Dude, I paid for that water. I'm going to use the rest of it. $3.99 for a case of water. Yeah, I'm going to use all of it, dude. Ten cents, ten cents a bottle. I don't care what it costs. So we went to yeah. CMP. We did. Did an event. It was a pretty good event. Yeah. I mean, like looking back at like ignoring our feelings about the event, is we're at event. It's a really good event. Yeah. Um, uh, I and our feelings, our feelings come from the fact that wait, we didn't have enough people and we didn't sleep. Um. So but aside from that, uh, who was it? Who was, I think it was Greg Kramer made the analogy about what the event is like for the people who work it. He yeah. said like a duck on water. Yeah. If you ever watch a duck on water, uh, Super calm. on, on top, it's very graceful. It's calm. The duck's just moving around. If you look under, underneath the water, those legs are just fucking oh, kicking. Man. Just, just nuts. Going, um, that's a little bit about what it's like. And so yeah. like, when things don't go according to plan or things don't really go the way that we want them to, uh, as a customer, you might not notice, but man, like it's because we're working our tails off trying to make it work. So, so the big, the big thing that's, that like started off the motorsports side of the like tailspin and it wasn't really even a tailspin. It was just like a, wow, this feels different than last year. I think it started off via ticketing and ticketing via Torque Hub is it's really going great, but it's still a work in progress. And they're going to have the ultimate perfect ticketing system for us, but we don't have it yet. We're really close. We don't have it yet though. Um, so like some of the data polls weren't perfect. Um, of the drivers were confused about how to use it because if you log into gridlife.torquehub.com versus torquehub.com, those are different pages and your account exists in both of them. And like, it's, it's like a little, it's little technical confusion stuff, right? Sure. Um, also like when you buy a ticket, it doesn't send you an email say, Hey, you bought this ticket. People are like, so I paid money and I don't have anything. And like, they don't until we send them an email 10 days out. Oh yeah. It's it, it, like, they don't, <laughs> they don't know anything. Uh, so like some of that stuff is going to be fixed. It's getting better. It's getting, but, um, it's already better than like 2021 C tickets before started bandaging it with, with gridlife.club or whatever. Um, it's already better in some respects, but it's like, it's still a working. So that started things off busy. Uh, and then it's a new track. New tracks are always a thing, right? Like every, you've been to a bunch of new tracks with me. It's always busy. Yeah. There's always like a, there's a million unknowns. You gotta like start this relationship with these people that run this racetrack. And some of them have been there for 20 years. And like, who are these kids trying to do some They stuff? definitely know more than you. Well, yeah, they definitely, yeah. Who are these stupid kids? It's like how I always feel that like the old taller than me and I'm, I'm six foot three. Like every, these, these crabby dudes who run race tracks are always bigger than me. They're always taller than me. They're always grayer than me. And there was like, I always feel like they're looking at me like, 
What the fuck, man? <laughs> These guys put the control in race control. They're in charge, mm-hmm. and you just rent the track. Yeah, yeah. As long as my check cashes, like, then it's time for them to bend me over and like have their way. <laughs> So like, there's always that relationship with these racetracks to like, you know, like solve it's, it's literally like moving in together. Like the first time you move in with your, with your spouse, you're like, Oh, you do the dishes that way. (laughs) What's the, who raised you? (laughs) Like, what's the matter with you? Why do you, why don't you flush the toilet? (laughs) Like it's these dudes who have ran these racetracks for like 20 years being like, wait, you use that kind of hand cream. (laughs) (laughs) And I always feel bad. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is how I do things. And and the way we do things makes perfect sense. Unless you've only hosted DEs at a racetrack he's ever heard of. (laughs) Well, sure. Or like, uh, you know, if you've never done five different types of events at the same time with yeah, yeah. thousands of spectators, right? Like if things aren't time certain, if there's no live broadcast, if, if like, if literally the most pressing thing you've ever done is like a, like a NASA regional, <laughs> that's the hardest thing you can. Like, yeah, we're like, it's hard. Like we're busy. We're time certain. There's freaking. There's hundred. There's a hundred thousand people watching on Twitch, and I don't know why. I don't know why they're watching. <laughs> but I'm. Well, we want to start this thing at noon, right? You know, we want to start this live broadcast at twelve ten. Let's do it. You yeah. Know? Right. Like, yeah. It's 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 just a whole. It's a whole like marriage that you have to form over the first couple of days. So our dude who runs race control and clerk of the course. Uh, activities john raymond he's like him and gary are two guys that like make sure the track happens on time john did a good job he stopped over there the day before um he became friends with the guy who was the guy and like he became friends in the best possible way and everything went really really well big picture because john like stopped in did a track action like Went through the entire racetrack, like got to know the place. He'd never been there. John's been to like every racetrack in the country. Hadn't been to CMP. Um, he's he hosts like two hundred days a year with Extreme Experience and us, and like hadn't been to CMP, but um, got to know Ed, the dude at CMP. Like formed a relationship. Things going well. Um, but like it was just a really busy event. We did not have that many people. I'm still tired. Last night I fell asleep at like seven forty-five because I was t- I was just tired. We're talking like six days later. Yeah, you had uh, you had quite a a haul back. Um, Ashley and I left on Sunday a little bit after lunch and drove mm-hmm. to Panama City, which was like nine hours driving, I think. And mm-hmm. when we got there, both of us immediately fell asleep. Uh, so Wednesday night or Wednesday. So Wednesday at like 9 a.m. Kyle and Cone arrived at my house. We drove through. We got there at it was a little after midnight. It was like one o'clock or something like that. Um, so we drove straight through to CMP. The drive went great. The bus was a champ. We towed the dyno down. Um, we did have one instance 
of of problem where I was like literally going up a super steep hill and I had about an eighth of a tank of fuel and then the bus stopped having forward acceleration because I think the pickup is in the middle of the fuel tank and like all the fuel is in the back of the fuel tank and it was uh, it was very concerning and I was coasting up a hill at six miles per hour and then like it flattened out no and then the way. bus was like the bus was like vroom, fired right back up. It hadn't stalled, but it was like it was definitely compressing air and not making any power. Jesus Christ! It was like like trying to turn air into fuel and like run the engine off of it. It's a mechanical injection diesel, and so like there's no boost. There's no like everything just like fell flat, but it hadn't stalled, and it flattened out, and then it fired right back up, and then we coasted down the giant hill, and we've. We were basically like it's a hundred gallon tank. I put like ninety two gallons in, and we were no basically way. out of fuel. So, um, that was the only real issue we had. Was I almost ran the thing out of fuel at the top of the mountain? But uh, other than that, the drive went well. We got there about two a.m. Well, one a.m. We dumped the dyno in the spot. We like parked the bus, and it was super dark on Wednesday. Night. Like we couldn't see. Uh, anything and I'm going off of like 2011 memories of this racetrack where you know the the paddock was pretty small they hadn't cut down a lot of the area they had cut down now the paddock's huge now it's enormous and me and Chris are walking around and Chris is like you know Chris is Chris hadn't been there either Trisha and Charlie had been there and they were like the paddock's great it's gonna be great it's gonna be huge it's gonna be great and then Chris and I were both like I'm playing off of his energy, which is basically like we're fucked energy. Like oh, there's sure, no room. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to make it. It's an enorm- enormous amount of spectators coming. Where are we going to put them? Blah, blah, blah. Like, so I go to bed with this like nervous energy and I woke up, I woke up at two, I woke up at five, five thirty, in a, in a sheer panic. So like three hours of sleep, blind panic. Um, can't fall asleep again. Uh, I get out of that bus at like 6.55. I just walk the entire paddock. I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. We can fit everybody in here. This place is huge. So like, like check one. Okay, we're okay. It's it's Thursday. The ASM track day is going to happen in a couple hours. And walking around, just like feeling pretty good about the paddock. Uh, got to know some of the track staff. Like uh, we made some contingency plans, like the 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 lot they'd cut down. We we're going to park people because we had like thousands of spectators, like going to come to this thing. The lot was a little mushy, so we bought out the cart track. We're going to park people around the cart track because it's higher ground. It's more grassy instead of like recently cut down forest kind of thing. Um, we're making all these plans, making all these like, uh, just in case emergency solutions. Uh, and we're setting up things. It's going okay. Um, it was a busy, busy day. Thursday was hard. Um, get into Friday, like Thursday night, I go to bed at like 1am. I get up in a blind panic again at 6am. So I'm like four hours of sleep, three hours of sleep, four hours of sleep. Uh, we start to do all the things like everything's going well. Like I'm feeling a pretty good flow, but we're on minimum staff. Uh, we don't have grid workers. We don't have enough anybody like it's going fine, but like I'm playing three roles and like everybody's busy. It's too busy. Like we don't have the extra backup timing and scoring person because he got COVID. He's stuck in Chicago. Like we don't have a lot of people because of family issues 
everybody's got somebody in the hospital. Everybody's sick. Everybody's like, it was like a bunch of our key staff communication issues leading up to the event. Like we just assume things, somebody's somebody didn't hear anything. So they're not coming, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we are on like the, the slimmest of staff. Uh, we're all playing multiple roles. And then yeah. we go through Friday. Friday's pretty good. Like it's as good as it can be. Like everything's fine. Uh, I thought Saturday, that I thought that know, Friday we, was really really hard. Uh, it was hard. Friday morning was hard. Yeah, like uh, yeah, it was as for, good as it could be. But for everyone that's not been to a Grand Life event or at least not gone as a motorsports competitor, uh, timing and scoring and motorsports registration are intimately connected, right? Because as um, it's generally the same person, it, it yeah. almost always has to be the same person. Um, mm-hmm. because the person who does the registration inputs information into the timing system for the uh, timing and scoring system to run when the track goes hot. And um, something that Gridlife has um, done, I guess, to be especially friendly to uh, friendly and flexible to drivers is allow... Um, tech inspection and allow registration and different things to happen kind of on a rolling basis. We have time slots for stuff to happen, but over the years, people have just been accustomed to us being flexible. Um, Especially this audience, this audience was like, especially late. Like how many people came after 8 p.m. or 8 a.m.? Oh, a whole bunch because Emma was in registration for like a few hours waiting on people. And then uh, the time came where she had a hard stop in registration. She had to leave the tech shed and go up to timing and scoring to set up to allow cars to run hot on the competition, like during competition. And And this is after like many hours the night before. We're talking like four or five hours the night before. So it's not like registration window was like tight. And then like like sour registration. So um, uh, the minute that the track goes hot, that in this case, it was nine o'clock AM. The minute that the track goes hot, the amount of work that the timing and scoring person has to do, uh, let's say within 15 minutes prior to, and 30 minutes after that first hot track, there's a ton of work for one Mm -hmm. person. It's an extraordinary amount of work. And so Emma's up in the tower doing all of the timing and scoring for the competition. And she's got drivers coming up, coming into the tower, like saying, Hey, can you help me with registration? I need to get my banners. And, uh, yeah, they, like, it was ridiculous. I, it was, it was like just a, it was an impossible situation. And unfortunately I wasn't in a position to help her because I couldn't, I couldn't like backfill the things that she does. Uh, without you had not been trained on them because I hadn't been (laughs) trained on that part and I didn't have access to all the places where the information has to go. And so like we've got drivers who were frustrated that they can't get their registrations processed, but they're arriving outside of the window. She's trying to time them. And, and like, uh, well, I mean, she's, um, rightly nervous and concerned about whatever, because what's happening on track is more important and she's yep. like, ah, I can't, I have to focus on this. And so, mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, it ended up being like three hours, two hours of just busy. It was just too much. Um, and a lot of that was because we were short staffed, but also it was because we didn't foresee the, so the first event of the year is always really busy. 
Um, typically, it's you know Mid Ohio or whatever it's been years past. It's usually, like a faraway travel event. This was a kind of a faraway event, and so like a third of the competitors were like from from uh, Grid Life South 2019. They us sure. years ago. And they just they were way more casual. It was it was almost like a California vibe. In California, a couple of years ago, or last year, um, I was doing the driver's meeting, and it's like 8.30. And then a line of people that are like so late that I like can't get through the gate. I'm like, so nobody's here in the driver's meeting? There's like 50 people trying to park their cars during the driver's meeting. Everybody's just late, late, late. And it was just like a far morning. It was just like a late crowd. Hey, Adam, I'm I'm going to pause the show for uh, a word from our sponsors, and I'm going to call you back because you sound like a robot. Hey, how about that? I I hope it's better. If it's not better, I hope so. I, I blame you. So I'm on the cell service. I'm not on the, uh, on the Wi-Fi. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just like, it was kind of a different thing and it's not really, it's not really anyone's fault. We just kind of need to be a little bit more structured because especially when we have limited staff, like it's, you can't be that accommodating when you don't have extra people. No. So, so the, the plan is to train up more people to be able to input the data and distribute the door cards while timing scoring's up in the tower, checking everything. Um, so we have somebody else that does that spreadsheet that builds those, you know, that, that distributes those, those pieces, those actual items, the stickers and transponders, et cetera. But like, we also need to train this crowd into like, Hey, we got to like go hot at 9. AM. You gotta like be here at seven. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not that hard. <laughs> Well, and, um, the way we structured our meetings, um, this year, at least for festival, excuse me, Mm -hmm. is, um, we have eight o'clock like general drivers meeting, um, and then immediately followed by the time attack meeting and then time attack goes hot at nine o'clock. Um, now interesting, what we learned from this weekend was the majority of the meeting that happens between eight and eight 30 can be specific to time attack because we don't have DE until Sunday. And so like for the most part, we should have very experienced drivers who understand the nuance of a driver's meeting. Um, and we can focus more on how to make sure the event runs well from a competitive specifics. We're talking like, here's how you don't screw up our event. Here's where we want you to hide when you're stupid, super brakes. Man, I, I, sometimes I feel bad about picking on Subarus, but like, it's always super. I don't, um, the the other thing is like sometimes I, I think there are a bunch of drivers who maybe haven't thought super deeply about how to be an effective competitor in time attack, which is not yep. the same thing as, you know, being a person who's really good at driving fast laps. Right. Like right. Um, I'm not like a boxing aficionado uh, compared to some people who maybe live like live, eat and breathe that. But I can say there are people who are really good at fighting. And there are people who are really good at the sport of boxing. Yeah. And what I think some of the driver's meeting can discuss is like how to be a good boxer, so to speak. Yeah. Like here's what the competition is. Here's how to get the most out of your track time. Here's what to do if the conditions aren't perfect in your favor. Here's how to make sure that that session is still usable. 
Yeah, just because you can like beat up your neighbor when he like stole your bike doesn't mean you're custom auto. Like it's very different. Yeah. You didn't train Mike Tyson. Like just because you can fight one time doesn't mean you're that good. Here's how you uh, have the best possible weekend. And a big part of it is like, okay, everything's going bad. Here's how you save it for all your friends. Like that's what we talk about a lot because that is the best way to like make the sessions good is how to tell people how to keep the sessions good when their sessions going bad. Sure. Like even something as simple (laughs) as biggest problem, um, the amount of red mist that sometimes people get when they're like, man, I had so many cars around me. I just got in traffic and I just, the whole session was ruined. And it's like, um, you realize like not trying to be smart or condescending, but, um, if that first lap has traffic, it is almost necessarily true that the backside of that track is just ice cold. There isn't anyone within a mile of you. If you were always 25 cars in half of the track. If, if you really, really wanted clean track, what you could do is just, uh, take the warm up lap with everybody else pit in and go to the front of grid and ask to be released on the backside of the track. And Mm -hmm. you would have, five laps before you caught anybody probably unless yeah. you were Ferris and then you might have two. Yeah. Um, at least. But yeah. I think that in the moment people aren't thinking about that. They're only thinking about what's in front of them. Fight, 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 fight. And they're fighting against nothing. It's literally a, they're just, they're just like they're hammering their own feet into the ground. And they they don't realize the pain that they're causing themselves. Sure. Um, and yeah. like, um, you know, we try and uh, emphasize for people to be courteous to their fellow competitors. I was watching the WRL race today and uh, I saw a disabled vehicle. Um, I guess it was in the Thunder Valley area right before the carousel, I suppose. Um, okay. And the, the, the disabled car just like parked on the track. Why, why, why did you do that? Why? I hope they were, I hope they were track left. Cause that's a really fast spot. No, they were track. Unless right. they, were track. they were track, right. Oh, of course. In the fastest spot where everyone wants to be, where Unless everyone wants to be to make that left, corner. They, that is where the, the vehicle was parked. Yep. And so like, uh, trying to educate the drivers. Like if you know, your vehicle is, uh, going down or on the fritz, Get behind a cutout, get off the track, get away, save the session however you can. Especially in Mid-Ohio. Mid-Ohio's got those orange markers. It's got FAM markers all over. You just like hide behind a barrier. They're all over the place. Yeah. Yep. It so, happens. Yep. It's hard, to, it's hard to do, except for it's actually not. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think um, this, like, you just, you just need to get your head on, I like, to turn a phrase, like, Get your head on a swivel, right? Like well, think about big, what you're doing. Like every meeting, it, it's not not even just HPD, time attack, or GLTC. I talk about on your warm up and your cool down lap, give yourself a thumbs up to the workers. And it's not for the workers, it's for you so that you see where they're at. Just thumbs up or wave or whatever. Warm up, cool down lap every single time. Wave to those workers, thumbs up to those workers, do something. And it will tell you where they're at. And then also look for the orange cutouts or the breaks in the wall, or it's very track dependent, but like an FIA track, like mid Ohio or uh, Watkins Glen, like we're going to just like, look for the orange marks in the wall. 
Like that's a break in the wall. He's just back behind the cutout. Cutout right there every single time. Like if there's a big orange block on the wall, that, that's where you back up. You back up through the wall, and the and the safety can come get you right there. Um, like it, it's there's not a lot of those. It's club track, right? But you just get behind the worker stations. Time Attack largely did a really good job, except for a couple of times they didn't, and it like wrecks the session for everybody because somebody just breaks down in the middle of the track. But what I did notice about um, this event yeah. compared to some others was. Um, I know that CMP has a reputation for being a really safe circuit. I don't recall I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I don't recall too many on track incidents that resulted in like uh, wall contact or anything. I don't think we had any actually. So we had one tiny drift car fire that like resulted in a little bit of cleanup and a little bit of fire extinguisher. We didn't have any wall contact. It was the smallest bill we've ever had as far as like track cleanup and stuff like that. So, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> the, the typical bill is like three, $4,000, like, which is a lot of money, but you like buy like a chunk of Armco. You got to buy like 20 bags of oil dry. You got to buy four fire extinguishers. Right. You got to buy, you know, one hour of overage. Um, because you went too long, you got to buy everybody one more, more hour of like, you know, the workers working for one more hour and one more hour track time, whatever. Um, now, do you pay? An, uh, I've, I've never been so. involved in those discussions. Do you pay an overtime rate, or is it like a proportional? It's typically amount? just it's just one more hour. Got it. They're they're usually pretty pretty good to us, unless you are pushing right up against the like the allotment of hours before you have to buy them a meal. And then you have to buy all the workers one more meal. You know, like if it's a certain amount of hours at most racetracks, like if it's like post 6.30 p.m., you got to like buy dinner for everybody and that's $25 times 10, uh, stuff like that. And then you also have to have like a 10-minute like delivery time or have some plan for delivery to workers, et cetera. So, so um, I, I got to so share an aside that's like that. not related to uh, track time, but it is related to a meal. So, um, the place that we stayed at in Florida was right across the street from our Burger King and I haven't Mm -hmm. had Burger King in years and I get into the elevator one day and I was like, it smells like Burger King in here. I want Burger King. And Ashley was like, I mean, you can, if you want, but I've, I've like heard it's really expensive. Um, cause we we don't go. And I went there and my meal was like 13 bucks. And I was like, Damn, that is expensive. I could get Chipotle for less than this. For a Burger King? Yeah. Is it like a fancy Burger King? No, it was just like it was Burger King, you know? Like I had it my way. <laughs> okay. Good. I mean, it was fine. It tastes like Burger King. Like I'm not really? I'm not hating on Burger King. It was just it, it seemed like a lot of money for Burger King. Brand new Burger King built a couple of years ago in our town. It did not survive the McDonald's and all the other things, Panera, they all beat it out because like it was a bad service and it's just Burger King. Who wants Burger King? Yeah. So, well. so uh, yeah, that we were in Florida for a little bit. It was nice, but like I, I did end up spending a considerable portion of nap times and things working on some grid life related stuff. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate them. The specifically the stuff that I was working on were 
addressing the difficulties that happened on the Thursday and Friday of our event, which were um, just like making sure the people were in the right place at the right time to do the things. It wasn't related to really on track stuff. It was like getting ready for the track stuff. Yep. Putting people in the place. Like when are they in the place? Where's the place? All the places. And so like uh, something that I have, um, we continue to struggle with a little bit is getting consistent support um, on the dyno because the people who run it for us, Josh and Ryan live many, many States away. And so getting them to events is challenging. Um, The hard part is like the only other person who I would say is fully qualified to use the dyno is you. And uh, if there was, any person that I could pick to run the Dido, um, you would be the last person to pick because you have yeah. a thousand other jobs. I might be the best person to run it, but I'm also the last person who should. Uh, fair. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And so yeah. um, trying to like uh, n- not only train up, but like cross train so that people can just jump in uh, yep. when there's a need because um, it costs money to bring a dyno to an event. And if there are people who want to use it, like it is a service that we provide, but like it's a billable service. And so uh, it is advantageous for us to collect money for people who want to pay us money. Um, And that means we need people available to run those dinos or like run the dino and do pulls and to do tuning and to do whatever. But it's also like not something we can mess around with because if you do it wrong, like cars jump off the dino. And you become a YouTube sensation for being a joke and somebody could get hurt. Like it's bad. You can't mess around with the data. So, yep. Um, do you remember that show that we did with the Festiva guys last, last year or two years ago at mid Ohio about like yeah. being the worst, uh, Facebook purchasers of all time. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. I sold my or I'm trying to sell my gas lawnmower and my gas um, leaf blower on Facebook mm-hmm. Marketplace. And during this show, I've had like I don't know 50 people text me to offer to buy it, and like tonight, yeah. Since I started <laughs> recording this show, no wonder we sound like robots when we're talking to each other. Yeah, basically. But yeah, yeah people are like, yeah, I'll I'll twenty dollars cash in hand, and you're like, come on, dude. 20 bucks for a gas lawnmower. Come on. <laughs> I'll throw this lawnmower away. <laughs> I'll charge myself $20 to throw it away. What, what you bought a, you bought a Milwaukee I like did. twin battery electric. Thing? And, uh, I think this is not an accolade. I think it's the most expensive electric one you can get. Like the Makita one was mm-hmm. half the price. Um, but if I pause for a second, it's because I'm muting myself to cough. Mm-hmm. Um, the Makita one, I think is only five amp hours, or at least that's what I saw. And it was like 600 bucks at home Depot. Um, the Milwaukee one was 1099. It was on special for the Easter weekend, which is a lot of money, but it has two 12 amp hour batteries and you have to use them both to get it to run. So it's like, it's a big honking battery and there's two of them. It's self-propelled too. Yeah. It's self-propelled. That's kind of impressive. <laughs> so like if, if you were to price out these batteries, half the cost is the batteries mm-hmm. and the other half is the mower. And so you're like, well, I guess that's fine. 
Um, so I got this mower. It stands upright. My garage is small. I'm trying to like save space. And uh, the reason I bought a, uh, the mower today was because I was gone for 10 days and I mowed right before I left and the grass was super tall. And uh, like the mower, the gas mower that I had like died four times while I was trying to mow the grass. And I was like, this is silly. I just, mm-hmm. I just need more power. And so, uh, the died in what way, like a bad tune up, like, no, it's, like it's on... you just push it through the grass and it gets oh, overloaded yeah, yeah, yeah. and it just yeah. dies. Got bogged, got bogged down. Yeah. And so, uh, on these electric ones, the blade speed is supposed to be higher and the torque is supposed to be higher. So like you can just mow through anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that sounds good for me. And the other thing yeah. I don't like is. Uh, I can't stand a gas mower upright cause you know, it's full of fluids and right. I never have fresh gas ever. So like, we'll just solve all these problems. We'll just get a battery one. And I'm, I'm that's not going to say that it's yeah. better for the environment because that's debatable because I live in Kentucky and we burn coal to make electricity. And uh, also somebody in the Congo has to make that cobalt for your batteries. Well, that's true, <laughs> but somebody has yeah. to drill full oil and it's not like we haven't spilled oil true in the ocean story. a bunch of times. True story, yeah. So like, I'm going to give it a yeah. wash on that part. The convenience of always Probably. having a charged battery yeah. is a plus. Yeah. If you remember to plug it in, that's a dope, that's a dope lawnmower. Yeah. So, uh, I'm excited to use it in the next couple of weeks. I now have, um, the full set of Milwaukee outdoor power equipments. I'm pretty excited. Uh, I'm waiting on your review because I have, I've limped along an old gas powered Toro for like 10 years that we bought used, but I have transitioned into electric lawn, a leaf blower and electric cordless weed whipper. And it, they're the best like dude, it's unreal. They're the best. And I kind of want to make that, transition to cordless lawnmower. How much, um, I know this isn't motorsports related. It's, but it's like electric motor outdoor activity. So it's, yeah, it's kind of related. Uh, how much like acreage do you mow? Maybe a quarter acre. Not that much. Yeah. So like it's perfect. Third, my fifth of an acre. I have no idea. Um, it's not much. It's a regular like city suburban block, you know, lawn. Um, and I've got, plenty of deck in the backyard so i don't have that much lawn in the backyard it's it takes me if if everything's going well it takes me 25 minutes to mow it yeah i think Uh, when i uh mow and use the trimmer and the edger it like end to end takes me one hour it takes me exactly one hour if i weed whip i blow things into the grass so i can suck it up with the lawnmower and then i fire up the lawnmower and if i have waited extra long it takes me like an hour and five minutes because i have to like bag it three times versus two times you, you, know, you should just mulch it it's better for your lawn well if, like my lawnmower like the, the mulching doesn't actually work that well i do want to mulch it but my mower like sucks at it um you need and more, I you need more blade speed and you need more power. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I could use a better lawnmower. I have sharpened the blades. I've done all these so, things. I've, uh, t- I've turned up the speed on the lawnmower. If he's listening, shout out to Jason Wynn, who is a lawn care enthusiast and a slip angle listener. So, um, if you, if you like having a green lawn, Jason might be the person to ask. He's good at everything. It he is good at everything. He's good at dry aging meat. Um, mm-hmm. I saw him at CMP. We talked a little bit and he said he hasn't done that much cause he just buys Wagyu now. 
Um, uh-huh. We're going to try and do a steak night before an event sometime soon. Maybe if he comes to the Glen, he'll bring steaks. That would be cool. I made some good steaks just impromptu at the CMP. That yes, you good. did. Yeah, you did. I, I did not. Ha- I, didn't, I didn't even have a knife to cut them. <laughs> you used a pizza cutter. Which I did. It was pretty good for a pizza. Cutter. That kind of improvisation is your life in a nutshell. It is. Yeah. I don't oh, have the tool I need. Steaks? I'm just going to make it work. Yeah. I have a, I have a grill. I don't want to put the steaks on them because it's going to cause a bunch of flames. So I'm going to put them on this piece of aluminum or steel or whatever it was. And then I put the steaks on there and I cooked them and it went pretty well. And then I did not have a way to cook, cut the steaks. So I thought I have this small also, pizza cutter. You, you ran around the paddock looking for a block of wood. And I said, Adam, why do you need a block of wood? And you said, well, the pan is hot and I don't want to burn my table. So you, don't, you put it on table. a piece of two by six on your banquet table. That's true. I had a plastic table, but then I picked up a piece of two by six and I cut the stakes on top of the piece of metal on top of the two by six on top of the table. <laughs> so but that's it was that's pretty good steak though. That basically grass fed. Pretty good. Not bad. Not bad for my first try at that at the grill. So Yeah. Yeah, word. They were big fat boys too. Mm, T bones, yeah, I think. Yeah. Very thick. Kind of, uh, I was I was impressed with how my how my uh, mobile grill cooked them actually. But, I do miss anyway. uh, I miss having my bus at events because like being able to just like pull out the grill and make something is mm-hmm. nice. Um, and knowing that everything in the RV is going to work is also nice. I didn't really yeah. talk to you or I didn't talk on the show about all the things that went wrong in our RV situation. Um, yeah, your rental died. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things did not work. That uh, like a hard death. Everything does. So uh, the converter is the thing that takes the uh, AC power and converts it to DC to allow the like basic RV systems, the 12 volt system to run. And yeah. we think that that like shorted out or faulted or did something uh, on the first night. So uh, Charlie kind of like saved the day and uh, rigged up a car battery for us to allow the 12 volt system to run, but it only ran until the morning. And Mm -hmm. so for two days, we did not have any water. We didn't have any lights. We didn't have any refrigeration. We didn't have uh, like when I say we didn't have any water, like you couldn't flush the toilet because there was like no water. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like it was literally just a tent uh, that happened to be made of solid materials. Yep. yep. Luckily the weather was perfect. But. Yep. That part worked yep. and yep. Uh, uh, we got our full deposit back. So it must not have been an issue. It's just, we weren't in a position to troubleshoot anything. Cause like, well, it's not ours. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a rental. It was a rental. And so uh, yeah, like we just, we just made do. What do you do? Sleep in this crappy RV with no power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're stuck but uh yeah we we survived so yeah um the drive home from like- florida was uh wicked we left at 7 30 on friday morning that's central time and we yeah. got home at 8 30 uh eastern time and um i completely forgot that we were traveling on a friday i thought for some reason it was like a saturday or sunday and so we drove through Nashville at rush hour, which is mm. probably the worst time to be in Nashville. Mm-hmm. 
doesn't seem like the worst city to be in in rush hour, but it, it's still a city. If you thought that, you might be correct because Chicago is worse, but how much worse is debatable. Yeah. So still killed an hour and a half, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. We were in, we were in traffic for about two hours. Yeah. That's a long drive. That's, uh, yeah, you're, you're spanning half the country north to south. So. Um, Sloan is like getting to be a master at road trips, though. She like, um, uses the iPad at length. Um, she watches all the shows. Are you familiar with, um, let's see right now we're listening or we're watching rainbow Rangers on Netflix. I've not seen rainbow Rangers. No. Yeah. They're like, uh, they're like Powerpuff girl type superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's got a catchy song. Uh, and yeah. so it, yeah, we, we listened to the catchy song. I don't know. A thousand times maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's that's a fun stage where the where like your kid is just like so into a show and you're like, man, this this seems this theme song doesn't actually even suck anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I we did that with Peppa Pig. What else did we do it with? We did it with uh we did it with most of the PBS shows of five years ago. Uh it was it was a lot. Yeah, we did a lot of a lot of theme songs. <laughs> Dude, yeah. so yeah. Uh, kids are fun. You know how I told you probably fifty people messaged me about um, these lawnmower things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet you fifty more people since um, I said that have texted me about it. How cheap did you put this thing up for? Well, hundred bucks. I don't know. Oh well, that's too cheap. Is it? Make the thing two hundred dollars. I don't know. Too many people are texting you. <laughs> They all want it for 80 bucks. And I'm like, Hey man, I posted this today. I'm not going to sell it to you for 80. Tell them to come to Chicago and be a buck 25. Yeah. Right. Can't wait to sell mine for $125. Selling yeah. a deluxe lawnmower, $125. I'm really, I'm really curious about this electric lawnmower. I hope it works, man. So I, when we first bought our house, there was a, there was one in the in the garage and it was a plug in. This is like 17 years ago. Uh, so I had to plug it in. It also came with like the largest extension cord of all time. It was like 150 foot extension cord. And if you ran it over, you'd die, obviously. Right. So you'd like, you'd like whip this thing around like you were a cowboy and not run over the, the giant yellow extension cord, which weighed 70 pounds. But so for two years, I mowed the lawn with electricity and it was brilliant because it was powerful enough to be a bagger. So I could like, not make a mess, but also I could mulch if I wanted to. And, uh, and I, when I was done, I didn't stink like, like uncatalytic converter to exhaust. Yeah, sure. I got that. It was great. Like I loved it. I didn't stink like a lawnmower. I know that I I'm going to sound like, like an old the lawn person, in the morning, you know? but, um, Josh Halka and Tony Barber had an awesome, awesome battle on track this weekend. It was fun to watch. Um, it was yeah. so fun to watch. And Tony's car doesn't make any noise at all. Yeah, it doesn't stink like a Subaru at all. <laughs> it like that car is properly fast and Tony is driving it really well. And yeah. to hear it leave the pits like on a launch is I mean it's just cool. It doesn't make any noise. It's it's yeah. neat. We also we did a really good show with them at Pit Race, and then it became corrupted, and we need to do another show with them. Yeah, I so. would like that. 
So we'll have to do yeah. that soon. That was like one of our only files that actually got corrupted beyond use ever. I so think. Uh, I think there was a problem with that card because it would give me glitches and errors and stuff. Uh, and so I retired that card. Yeah. So yeah, for a while I, I had a card that like it would glitch out for the first 20 seconds. And so we got, at least I got in the habit of when I was recording the show myself, I wouldn't say anything for 20 seconds. <laughs> and then I would just like do the show. That's <laughs> but it's stupid. You're silly. So, yeah. uh, Oh, um, we can talk a little bit about the Glenn coming up, right? So uh, I'm working a little bit on the the things that like made motorsports a little bit challenging in preparation for the event. Um, right. Like I, I just want to be confident that like all the volunteers are in place and everyone knows what their assignments are going to be and everyone understands where they're going to sleep and we know when everyone's going to get there. And like, you know, if, if the dyno needs to be operational at 6 PM on Thursday, are we going to have a person in place to do that? Whose job mm-hmm. is it? So on and so forth. And so yeah. like, I've been working on some of that preparation and Renee, uh, she's done PLO, which is our pit lane organization. She's done that, um, extensively for a few years. And so like kind of bringing that all into, um, like one centralized place and keeping a plan for everything is what I want to do for this event. And so I've been working on that part. Um, I'm excited about, uh, about, uh, working towards a new sustainable operational organizational system. So, well, like the thing that can, I don't want to say concerns me, but like, um, what I saw John or what John talked to me about was like for his other job, um, every single detail about an event is finalized like months in advance. And, uh, I was like, well, we don't, we don't, we don't do that. Maybe well, we should, maybe we should. Also his events are very different than ours as far as like they're okay. It's like 1000 people are buying a four minute ride along a supercar. Um, so they all have, they have a ton of supercars and everybody's got to drive that thing 100 times and you have to have all the teams and the times and everything. So like we are providing, we're providing a racetrack. We're not providing the experience. Like we're providing the place for the experience for 200 people versus they're providing the place and the experience for 1000 people or 1500 people. Or whatever. Right, right. So uh, their, their business model monetarily works out way better than ours, but, uh, but they have a lot more to do. They also have to keep all those people safe. They have to make sure those cars are safe. They make sure the cars are running. They make sure the cars are there. Um, but well, and uh, they have to like streamline uh, yeah. the, like the in and out every, you know, every second of on yeah. track, like if you're trying to get, I don't know, these are pretend numbers. If you're trying to get 50 drivers into a car in one day, um, you have to like know to a second how long it takes people to get in and out and, you know, when the next car is supposed to release all this stuff, because yep. I bet if you get behind schedule, it costs a ton of money. And you also have to know how much time it takes to fuel up, how much time is the average maintenance and check stuff and it, blah, you know blah, what, blah, blah, blah. So. Because I was watching a little bit of WRL today, it kind of sounds a little bit like an endurance race. You like, you need to know what the burn rate is on your fuel. You need to know how long driver changes take. You have to like plan all this stuff out because the intent is, you know, to get all the drivers through by the end of the event. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and sometimes they can go longer. Obviously, they have a little more freedom than we do, but that's very track dependent. Same as this, like like at CMP, we could not go past seven thirty. Uh, we had to buy extra time to get there, but we had a two hour lightning delay, and that's a problem. So, like, how do you fix that? Um, when you have to when you have to actually shuffle a certain amount of people through a car like they do. That's a tough thing to fix, but um, yeah, at least uh, at least we have a little bit more operational flexibility. But also, we have to, you know, we we have a little bit we have a little bit higher like risk versus uh, well, we're racing. We're not just experiencing the right. racetrack. Well, so, and and one of the things that we're going to do a like a motorsport team meeting in advance of the the like everyone's departure toward the event. Yep. And one of the things that I'm hoping we can talk about is um, I've built a run of show that shows, you know, according to our current schedule, here is the flow of the event from, you know, basically from sunrise to sunset. Here's what we're mm-hmm. going to do almost minute by minute. Yep. And then I have to say, but there's nothing more flexible in the grid life universe than the schedule. And so uh, this will almost certainly be wrong as soon as we get there. <laughs> well, not as soon as we get there, but at least but by the time we go hot on track. <laughs> it is important that the staff know what's on track at that moment yeah. and know where they're supposed to be at that moment and what is coming up next. Right. So, so for listen, yeah, for listeners that have like attended and driven at our events, like they've probably seen a lot of the same faces in grid in hot pits in tech in scrutineering and timing, et cetera. Um, and most of those people obviously know what's happening when, um, but we're out, we are trying to standardize like, okay, there's a time attack session happening. So what do you need? You obviously need timing and scoring. You need a minimum of three people in hot pits or in false grid. And if you have a false grid, you need, X amount of people in hot pits. Like we're trying to standardize some of these operational flows to where like if Abe and I die, which is somebody probable. can continue on with good life. So. Well, not just that, yeah. but like with the new event format, there were some structural things that kind of flip flop throughout the weekend. For example, yep. um, we start in, in time attack, we started practice sessions in the same way that we always do, which is group A, group B, group C, and then group D with A being the fastest cars. Those cars would be on track first. Mm-hmm. But when the stream comes on, which is uh, basically for qualifying, the it. fastest cars go last, which means yep. that the Sunday cup cars and the club TR cars were together as one gr- one run group on track uh, this session or like that session. And what it means is like the grid staff, like need to know which cars are supposed to be where and when to make sure that the flow of cars on a track is consistent with what the live stream needs. Yep. And And so often we have minimal problems with that. The biggest problem we had this weekend was nobody had cell service. That was a giant problem. And like uh, I, uh, I used my scooter, like the range on my scooter is something like 20 miles and I charged yeah. it up fully both days. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, and so like I had to wrangle cars. I was like, Hey, you know, you, you got called to grid like 15 minutes ago. Are you, are you suiting up? Are you ready? And they're right. like, Oh, I didn't know. And then they'll like show up and go to grid. Even though the PA was really good, but like, it was just such a busy event. You don't hear the PA calls. You like, in, in, like people like just kind of sink into the background noise. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't hear the PA calls. They don't see their text messages. Like we were we were hot and heavy with texts with like text drivers. We were hot and heavy with, with uh, calls to grid. Like it was, and we weren't really far off schedule except for the, the lightning delay on Saturday. But like, yeah, people were still behind. Like but people didn't pay attention. Especially so. this event compared to some of the others um, be with the new event format Friday and Saturday are exclusively competition and drift. And so yep. where there was previously more slack in the schedule for like HPDE and not, not slack more dead time for a competition driver um, that would otherwise be filled with DE. This was yep. more now like rapid fire. And because yeah, of that, busy. like you need to be on top of everything that's happening on track. Largely. I was told that it was very fun to watch though. So that's good. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm stoked on that. Yeah, it seemed like it was fun to watch. But anyway, um, well, I'm I'm uh, I'm feeling like I need to go to bed, Abe. Uh, well, it's like eleven fifteen my time, so I guess I should uh, call it good. Did we do a podcast? Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, also, uh, you've probably been hearing some fire lapse ads uh, at the front of some of our shows. I have said that if you use code Slip Angle or Slip Angel. You get a t-shirt from me. <laughs> a very important part of that process is that uh, you have to reach out to me and provide your uh, shipping address and confirmation that you bought that service. And the reason that's important is because the terms of service for FireLapse don't allow them to give me uh, your customer information. Like that's not allowed in their service agreement. And so you have to provide that information to me. If you've bought the service and I haven't mailed you a shirt, it's probably because I don't have your address. So how do they, how do they give you that address? You should email me at abrin at tracktuned.com. Yep. Or you can what message me friend, on Facebook like everyone else does. from Korea that signed up for Fire Labs. That's cool. Yeah. How do they get a hold of you? They if should message me on Facebook. <laughs> also, I think they have email in Korea. I think, it, I think they do. Is it the same email address? It would be the same. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so technology. Um, yeah, we're really excited to have uh, these partnerships that help you guys as and gals as drivers and like even yep. you non-binary folks because I think there are some that listen. Um, there are. Yeah. But uh, we. I don't care what you identify as, as long as you identify as somebody who likes to drive on a racetrack <laughs> or wants to. Oh yeah. Or aspires to, yeah. um, something we haven't talked about much, but is happening is that we're partnering with yaw speed to, uh, build a forum on track tuned. I just have to like buy the service and we have to start setting it up. So we have literally decided finally on what we want to do. We, so. we have a plan. We know exactly yep. what we're going to use. Um, it's going to be good for mobile and we want to have active forum engagement, we floated the idea a few weeks ago and a lot of people seem to be really into it. Yeah. And, uh, from a like knowledge management side, um, 
We think Facebook is great for conversation, but as soon as a post falls out of your newsfeed, it's basically gone forever. And so it's not a good place to manage information. Now, I must say, I had a deep conversation with uh, Seth. Seth told me that... Seth Lemke? Yes. Told me that the reason that I care about knowledge management in my professional life and in my Mm -hmm. grid life is that I am uh, afraid of my own mortality. It is also the same reason that I think Rolls Royces are cool because okay. I, I want things that last longer than me. That's the most track, track walking explanation I've ever heard. Isn't it? It's, it certainly is. He might not be wrong. I don't know. Like the, yeah. the, the idea of like having all of these throwaway things is kind of annoying to me. Like th- there should be some, uh, uh, longevity to the work that we do. Yep. I, I would love to hear their thought process behind how I actually feel about the podcast and everything track related. The, the feelings that I don't want to express in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's probably, it's probably not going to align with what they think. <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. And if you like the show, follow us on Spotify. Um, if you don't have Spotify, uh, fun fact, you don't need a subscription to listen to podcasts. So Spotify is great, by the way. I, I actually love it. I pay yeah. for family service because I like it so much. You pay for it. I'm a cheap ass and I pay for it, man. You are, you're the last true family, man, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Uh, I love Spotify and I just use the free app and I think it's great. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah I think it's great. I, and I hear we've been running some ads for it. I, I heard one the other day and I was like, what are we doing Spotify ads for? And you're like, they're just, they want us to do ads. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. the, for, for those people who are interested in doing a podcast, you might've heard an ad for starting a podcast. Spotify yeah. has all the tools that you need to start a podcast. So, mm-hmm. Um, we've been using anchor for a bunch of years. Anchor is owned by Spotify and now it's just called Spotify for podcasters. What was the first one that we used? What do we use to use? Um, we first used shout Shout engine, Engine, which is dead. Yeah. Defunct now. And like I've seen on the internet that there were a bunch of people that like can't even get their old shows anymore because the process you need to like, I don't know what the right term is, but to like port forward, uh, yep. your, your RSS feed, like that was a manual process in their system. And if they don't have someone supporting it anymore, it's just like gone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We did that for a bunch of years. I 10 tenths did it as well. And then I think we both ported over to anchor, but I can't remember. I'm happy we got ahead of it because yeah, like we did it, we, we did it in time because like suddenly they were gone. It would be sad to lose yeah. all of our subscribers. Yeah, well, we probably did already, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, happy um, Easter, everybody, uh, if you're into yeah, that man. sort of thing. And if you're not, happy Sunday. Yeah, it's uh, it's about time for bed. 10.20 my time, 11.20 your time. Time for bed, dude. See you, dude. Um, I'll talk to you soon, man. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pits of Grid Live to say hello. Hello.